We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. We are facing battles that nobody else sees. What do you do when you don't understand what you're feeling and hope seems so far away? In our new series, Peace of Mind, we will learn how to fight our mental battles and find peace. Welcome to Redemption Church, everybody in Plano, Texas. I'm so glad you're here. My name's Chris Fluitt. And for the next six, seven weeks, we're going to become healthier. Somebody say healthier. Victorious. Somebody say victorious. And peaceful. Somebody say peaceful. When it comes to our mind. Today, I want you to learn this. If you only get one thing tonight, I want it to be this. Getting help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Say it one more time. Getting help isn't a sign of weakness. It is a sign of wisdom. When it comes to our mind, we all have weakness and struggle. And sometimes it can be on simple things. Like you go to the store to pick up what again? What did she say to pick up at the store? Anybody ever? Or you walk into your kitchen and or you any room in your house and you're like, why did I come in here? Again, and these are like the unimportant things. Hopefully they're unimportant, right? But these are those things. This is how your mind is weak. Your mind gets weak and your mind struggles with things. And sometimes they're really big struggles. You, like me, have thought others may, may struggle with mental health, but, but not me. I would never have a mental health crisis. This week, I, I even went to Facebook and I just said, hey, what's your best mental health tip? And I actually got a little pushback from some people. Some people are like, what are you even doing talking about mental? I thought, don't you still preach the gospel? It's really interesting. But I, I got a question for you today. Just, just think about this. Do not answer out loud, but just think about this. Have you ever felt persistent sadness and hopelessness? Just felt a little sad and a little hopeless. Have you ever felt that? And it was a little hard to shake. What about guilt or shame? Have you ever felt guilt or shame? What about low energy or fatigue? And everyone said, amen. You ever feel low energy and fatigue? What about a loss of interest in hobbies or activities? Things you actually like do, doing, but now you just, you lost interest a little bit in the things. What about thoughts of self-harm? Well, all of this on the, on the screen, these are symptoms of depression. Let's ask this. Have you ever felt on edge or restless? Our air conditioner went out yesterday. I was on edge. I was a little restless. How about this one? Irritable. Clammy hands. You ever feel like, gosh, what's wrong with my hands? Dizziness. Upset stomach, a change in appetite. What are these? These are symptoms of anxiety. These are symptoms that others might not even notice. And some of you relate because outwardly everything can seem fine to everybody else. In fact, we're, we become accustomed to, 
to playing that role. Oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And you're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't even tell these people, right? Asking someone, how was your day is always a dangerous question. <laughs> like someone may actually tell you the truth one day and you don't have time for that. You just were ready for them to say fine and then move on. Outwardly, everything may seem fine, but inwardly, you might be struggling with depression, with anxiety, with stress, with wearing down. I want to tell you tonight that you are not alone in this. Okay, This sermon's not designed to make you feel worse about yourself. This, this sermon is not designed to make you feel like a loser or a failure. This sermon is designed to help you. And getting help is not a weakness, but it is what? It is wisdom. In preparation of this series, these symptoms gave me pause because I do believe there have been times in my life where I have struggled with depression. Looking at that list, you know, it's easy to just go, oh yeah, but the, you know, there were circumstances, right? It's easy to pass those off. No, as I look at it, if I'm really honest, there have been times in my life I have felt a little more than just a little funky. I have been depressed. There was a depression I went through and there was an anxiety I went through. That was why I was having trouble sleeping. So let's pray. Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, you know us inside and out. Lord, and you know the struggles that are on the outside and you know the struggles that are on the inside right now. Lord God, we're asking for wisdom. Lord, we're asking for your help. God, we confess, God, that we need your help in the areas of our mind, in the areas of our life. God, in Jesus' name, we ask you tonight to come talk to us, to lead us, to grow us in the areas of health, God, and in the areas of peace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. Come on, let's do it. I would like you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And if you, if you have a Bible that you can write in, I'd like you to mark this verse. If you have a Bible that's uh, on your, connected to your phone, I'd like you to find a way to bookmark this verse. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. There is resistance, like I said, to the subject of mental health in the church. Yeah. In fact, I don't remember ever a time where a sermon was directed to this subject. Maybe you could think about that. I don't know if I've ever, I don't remember any time that that, that I was in a sermon like that. I have never just come out and took devoted time to this important subject, right? That, why is that? That's really interesting. Everybody we run into is talking about mental health and there's, there's issues all over the world. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning at verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. I want you to mark that in your Bibles. Wherever your Bibles are. I want you to know that verse. I want you to be praying that verse over the next few weeks. It says, may the God of peace. 
May this peaceful God, aren't you thankful he's a peaceful God? Right? This God of peace wants to sanctify you what? Through and through. That means he wants to sanctify every part of your life. He wants to sanctify through and through your whole spirit. Your whole soul and your whole body to be kept by him. And the one who is who has called you is faithful. He will do it. Not only is the subject of your body and your mind biblical. God promises to keep us in this area. Not only is this a biblical topic that we should talk about. But we are given great promises that God will keep us in the area of our mind. It tells you. He will do it. Can you say those four words? He will do it. One more time. He will do it. I don't know if you felt hopeless lately, but I want to declare that the God of peace, He will do it. Now some may say church shouldn't talk about mental health. Coming to Jesus fixes everything. Well, let me just tell you, Jesus does save. Anybody know he saves? Jesus redeems. Anybody know about it? And Jesus fills you with Holy Ghost power. And there is no power like his spirit. And he works all things together for good. That's what Jesus does. All of that's true. All of that we believe. All of that we stand on. If that's not true, we are in serious trouble. Amen? However, just because Jesus has saved you, just because Jesus has redeemed you, just because Jesus has filled you with the Holy Ghost, just because Jesus is working all things together for good, does not mean he's fixed everything in your life. One guy believes it. Do y'all believe that? Well, yeah, we could just go around the room and say, okay, if you've received Jesus, how's that working for you? Have you has that fixed all of your problems? Or you still have things that you have to pray about. And things, when you read the Bible, they stick out like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing these things correctly. Have you ever felt that conviction by God to go pray and to repent of things? Do you know repentance is not something you do on, just on day one? It is a thing I've done continually since I've met Jesus. I'm on day 2100 and I'm still repenting I'm, because I... Because I'm broken and I haven't fixed everything. And Jesus is still working on me. I, we sing a song in Sunday school. Pardon me. It goes, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. Oh, how faithful he must be because he's still working on me. It took him just a week to make all that other stuff, but he has been working on Chris Fluid every day of Chris Fluid's life, way more than a week. He's still working. He's still working and he will do it. Now I want to just tell you today, I've been in a lot of altar services. There is nothing like a red hot, wonderful altar service where people are giving their life to Jesus. I love it. I want to have one today. What do you say? Let's have one today. However, I've never been in an altar service where somebody hops up and says, well, Jesus saved me 
And now I have 8% body fat and I have washboard abs and I'm ready to run my first marathon. Have you ever experienced that? No, that's not happened. All right, go back. Okay, all right. How about I've never seen somebody, you know, lift their head up from weeping tears and now they go, whoa, I have become born again. And now my credit score has approved, has, is, is improved. My credit score, it was a terrible number. Now it's great. Praise God. I've never had that happen in the altar. I've never had that one happen in the altar. How about someone came out of the baptistry, they wiped the water from their eyes and says, wow, I have an improved resume. And I have a degree all of a sudden in a certificate. No, that's, that's never happened. Just because Jesus saved us does not mean that every area of our life is fixed. Get honest tonight. We are messed up and broken people in need of the work of Jesus Christ in our life. Two things you need to know. God is still working on us. That's one. And two, God still wants us to work on ourselves. All right? God wants to work in your life and God wants you to get to work in your life. Y'all get that? Y'all agree with that? Let me tell you, it doesn't work to have one in the other. Let's just take a second. If God is still working on you, but you don't do anything that your Bible says, you aren't getting to work. And if you are just wanting to work on yourself, but you have not allowed God's spirit to work in your life, you've not allowed his work to work in your life, then it's not going to work. None of this is good. You got to have both. Somebody say you got to have both. Less taste, more feeling. Why not both? That's what we need right there. Okay. We want to set God free to work and we want to set you free to work. Both are necessary. If you're ever going to be everything that God has called you to be, both of these are necessary. What is mental health? Real quick, let's just explain that. It's emotional, psychological, and social well-being. Say those three with me. Emotional, psychological, and social well-being. How are you in your emotions? How are you in your psychological? How are you in your social? All of that matters and all of that makes up your mental health. And if you just took a little uh, look at your mental health, I, I bet something would stick out. I'm better in this area than I am in this area. Mental health impacts all the areas of your life. How you think determines how you feel. And that determines how you act. And so if you are not feeling right, if you're not thinking right, you won't be acting right. And if you're not addressing how you're feeling and how you're thinking, but you're just trying to change how you're acting, you're going to have trouble. You see that? It starts with changing how you think, then changing how you feel, and that will change how you act. Lord, change the way we think tonight. God, change the way we feel. And God, change the way that we act. Mental health determines how you will handle or mishandle stress, relationships, how you will make choices and respond to difficulty. Everybody goes to difficulty. If you want to come through difficulty, you better be healthy inside or you will go right off that cliff. I've titled this sermon tonight, Two Dangerous Mental Health 
myths. I want to give them to you as we go along. There's two of them. There are these unbelievable, uh, unbiblical, sorry, beliefs that show up in the church and we should expose them for what they are. I believe they are myths. And here's number one. Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. That's number one. Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. This myth states that Christians shouldn't battle and struggle with anxiety, depression, and burnout. That's why you see a lot of pastors struggle with what? (laughs) Anxiety, depression, and burnout. Mm. If you do face these issues, then the myth says, well, it's your fault. (laughs) It's your fault that you're, you're struggling with this. You, you don't have enough, everybody preach with me? You don't have enough faith. That's why you're depressed. And that's why you're anxious. And that's why you're, you just don't have enough faith. Yes. Or how about this one? You're not praying enough. You're not praying enough. That's the problem. Well, if you just would spend a little more time in that prayer room, right? <laughs> or how about this one? It gets a little, this one gets very personal. It's like, you must have a secret sin. There must be something. And usually it's said down the nose of somebody that seems a little self-righteous, like, right? We all have secret sins that we're working on. God delivers from them all. Let's just cut, the, cut all the fakeness. I want to tell you very, very honestly, I want to tell you these things, that, that you can love Jesus and still face depression. In fact, you can face depression and it's not caused because you don't absolutely love Jesus and are willing to die for him. You get that? I hope you believe it. You can faithfully read God's word. Like you have that reading plan and you like doubled up because you wanted to read the word of God more. You can do that and still have anxiety. You can be able to quote every verse and still have anxiety. You can... Attend church. Sit on the front row. Some of y'all are scared to death that sitting on the front row. You think I'll get you. You're lucky you're back there. All right. You can sit on the front row. You can tithe. Right? You can serve. And yet struggle to overcome a very hard trauma. The myth is, here's, bring the myth down to where it really is. Here it is. This is where the myth is, Christians shouldn't struggle. That's the myth right there, that Christians shouldn't struggle. The truth is that Christians can face the struggle and come out victorious. That's the truth. Christians can face any struggle and come out victorious in the name of Jesus. Some heroes of the Bible face mental health crisis. For the people that just go, ah, what is he doing? He's Well, ever heard of a guy named Elijah? Elijah had a wonderful, victorious time against the prophets of Baal. Talk about a complete victory, right? Unbelievable. And you know what ends up happening? He becomes so depressed that he runs off. He goes, hides in a cave, and he asks the Lord to let him die. 1 Kings 19. That's the prophet of God. Lord, that you just let me die. That sounds like a mental health problem, right? How about David was once so in despair, he seemed to lose his mind. People are like, 
He has lost his mind. We don't even want to mess with that guy because he is flat out gone crazy. That's King David. That's the man after God's own heart. That's the one that God says, I'm going to establish your throne forever. And he was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. How about the wonderful prophet named Jeremiah? Do you know what Jeremiah is called by, by all the scholars? They call him what prophet? Fill in the blank. The blank prophet? The happy prophet? No, no. The joke-telling prophet? The does magician work thing? No, y'all know it. Say it out loud. He is the weeping prophet. And if you try to read Lamentations, you'll be weeping too. He had a life marked with loneliness. He was betrayed by his own people. He was thrown into a pit, a mire, and left to die. And it cost him one day to say to the Lord, he said, I curse the day I was born. What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like suicidal thoughts? It sounds like it's better off if I just die. These are heroes of the faith. Anybody want to tell them they didn't pray enough? Anybody want to tell them they didn't read the Bible enough? Anybody? Yeah. Well, if you just had a little more faith, Jeremy. They, had, they blow us all away with their faith. And they still struggled. Oh, just shake yourself a little bit. You feel that? Just shake off that struggle, guilt, and shame. That Because you're struggling, you're just, you're not up to the task. Oh, and that, that you, you are just falling short of the glory of God. Well, duh. Somebody say, duh. Who isn't falling short of the glory of God? We're all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we're, string, that's why we're struggling. It is always true. When people tell you, you need more God and you need more faith. The thing is, they're right. They aren't wrong because who doesn't need more of God and need more faith? We all need that. My, my, my argument that I bring to you tonight is this. It may also be true that you need more God and you need more sleep. And you need more vitamin D sunlight. And you might need more God and a better support group. And you might need more God and a healthy diet. And you might need more of God. Also, the help of a doctor to perform hormone treatment to balance a hormone deficiency. Need more of God plus the use of medicine to help with physical imbalance in your brain. Or maybe more of God plus a real therapist that has your best intentions at heart. I want to tell you, struggle does not mean you are a bad Christian. It means you are human. Who agrees? We're human. Are there any struggles? Are there any humans here today? Then there, there ought to be struggles. Anybody with 
Anybody willing to admit, yeah, I got a struggle? In fact, that's why we, we open this altar every day. If, if the church was just full of perfect Christians, all we'd have to do is just come and give you their gold star for the week and then send you home. But no, instead, we sing to God and we ask him to take all of our problems and we ask him to be Lord and then we preach his word and we apply it to our life and then we open up this altar and say, who wants prayer? Who wants to make a change in their life? What, you know why we do that? Because we are humans that are struggling and we need all of that. Every bit of that. Plus, we need each other. The struggle is real, but so is God's love. So is God's patience. So is God's forgiveness and his kindness. That myth one was Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. Myth, myth two, God doesn't care about your mental health. That's the other myth I want to blow out of the water tonight. God doesn't care about your mental health. It goes a little bit like this. God is too busy trying to straighten out other issues and bigger problems. This is just not, God is more concerned with how many Bible verses I can quote. It would be selfish to pray about my hidden mental issues. I should pray about other things. I, 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 I would come to the altar, but this isn't a big enough reason to come to the altar. Can I tell you something? If it's big enough to worry about, if it's big enough to keep you awake at night, if it's big enough to make you doubt, if it's big enough to make you feel just completely crummy as a person, it is big enough to pray about in this altar. What did we read about in 1 Thessalonians? It says, the God of peace is working on sanctifying you through and through. That means every part of you. He wants to clean you, sanctify you, make you His. Take off the ties of the enemy. Take off the ties of fear. That leads me to know that He does care about the mental health issues that we face. A great place to go in your Bible when you are struggling is the book of Psalms. Does anybody agree? Anybody ever go, oh my gosh, I need to pick me up. Let me go to Psalms. In the book of Psalms, you'll, you'll find verses like good old favorites. Like, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Right? How about this? The Lord is close to the broken hearted. He saves those who are crushed. How about this? Oh, taste and see. That the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. How about this? God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in the time of trouble. How about the Lord is my shepherd? I shall not want. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? That's the book of Psalms. That's in your Bible. I love it. However, today, I want to read a Psalm that you should never read while you are struggling. This is one you should never pull out. Today, I want to read a Psalm that Chris Tomlin has never sung about this, this Psalm. He's never. It's good. You will not find a t-shirt or a bumper sticker or a holy coffee mug. You know those coffee mugs with scriptures on it. They're not just coffee mugs. No, they're holy. They're holy. Uh, 
you'll never find this psalm written anywhere like this. If anybody has this psalm as their life verse, get that person to church and pray for them immediately. Just, just come straight to the altar. When they come in, just come right down. This is that psalm. It is Psalm 88. Everybody say Psalm 88. It is the saddest psalm ever written by He-Man. He-Man. Not, he has the power, right? He is not the 80s He-Man character who had the power of Grayskull, but he is Haman. Everybody say Haman. That's how I remember it. We're Jamaican for a second. Haman. Haman, the psalmist. All right. Now, let me tell you about Haman. He was known for his great wisdom. His musical ability. He was a committed parent. He's committed to parenting. He had 14 sons and three daughters. He's committed. Hey, Ma. And he was known for his service to the king. So let's read about this wonderful guy named Haman. By the way, this is not his own psalm. This is not his only psalm, right? He wrote other good stuff. But this stuff... Let's read it. Psalm 88, verse 3. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. Who's your? He's talking about God. He's talking about God. He's like, I'm dead. And you don't even care. Psalm 88. Chris Tomlin could rock this. This would be great. Move down a little bit. Verse 13. But I cry to you for help, Lord. Oh, well, maybe this is going to get good. We're good. In the morning, my prayers come before you. Woo! It's about to turn around. Verse 14. Why, Lord, do you reject me? And hide your face from me. Jesus. Verse 18. This is the last. This is where it ends. It's one of those psalms you look, you look for. It's going to turn around, right? It's going to turn around, right? It's, it's going to get better. This is the last verse. This is where it ends. Haman. You have taken from me, friend and neighbor, darkness is my closest friend. Haman loved God. If you read these words and think he must have fallen out of love with God when he wrote this, you're wrong. You're wrong. If you think he suddenly didn't love God anymore, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. That's not how you should think about this. He served God. He served the king. Yeah. He cared about the promises of God coming true. And that's why he loved God, served God, and served the king. But he was struggling. Somebody nod if you see that Haman was struggling. I want to tell you that works for you because you can love God. You can serve God. You can serve others in the church and still struggle. You can still come through a time period where there seems to be no turnaround in you. It's all bad. 
all the time. It can cause you to say things that make everybody go, what is he saying? That is the struggle that can go on inside your mind. This verse is in the Bible. Do you know why it's in the Bible? It's God's word. That's why. Somebody look at somebody and say, well, duh, it's God's word. That's the answer. That's why it's in the Bible. This is inspired word of God. Why in the world would that be in there, God? Here's why. God can handle your honesty. God is not afraid of your honesty. God is not afraid of your anger. God is not afraid of your fear. God is not afraid of your dwindling faith. God is not afraid of all the weird thoughts that go inside your head every once in a while. God's not afraid. God is not afraid of your honesty. In fact, we must be honest if we are ever going to have victory right. over the struggle. Right. Oh, I want to tell you, whoa, well, let's just say it. Maybe the reason you haven't overcome this struggle is you have hid it rather than be honest. Maybe you have been thinking some of the Haman Psalm 88 thoughts, but you have been keeping them to yourselves and you've been going through the motions. I want to tell you, your answer tonight is to be honest. Yes. Haman wrote those words down. Oh, so honest Haman was. Oh, that we'd be that honest tonight. I want to remind you, getting help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. wisdom. I want to offer you some wisdom tonight. I want to offer you some help. Jesus was asked... The most important command of God. We talk about this all the time. Do we know what this verse says? Do we know? What is it? It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord of God is one. And he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Do you know how to love God with all your heart? I kind of do. I, I feel like I'm pretty good with that one. You know how to love God with all your soul? I'm not so sure. What is soul? Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about it. I'm doing my best. Uh, was that my soul? Was it? Do you know how to love God with all your mind? And I, I, I think so. Maybe. When you are thinking these negative thoughts, y'all listen. When you're thinking your negative thoughts that you have, when you're thinking I'm worthless, when you're thinking I'm ugly, when you're thinking I'm stupid, I want to tell you, that is not loving God with all your mind. I want everybody's attention when I say, I know Treehouse came in, let's act like we can handle that, everybody. Listen, when you think those negative thoughts about yourself, let's go a little further, about others, that is not loving God with all your mind. When you constantly worry and you have those thoughts just run around like a hamster on a wheel in your brain. Just like, what are we going to do? 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 You know what that is not doing? That is not loving God with all your mind. Gosh. I remember one time I was, I was in Denton, Texas. I was on University Drive. I was going to Double Dave's Pizza Buffet. I was turning in there. 
But I was angry. I was worrying. 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 And the Lord stopped me. Right in the middle of the intersection. I was in that turn lane. I just had to stop there for a second. The Lord said these words to me. He said, am I not a good father? Am I not a good father? In other words, he was telling me, your worrying seems to suggest, to suggest that Chris Fluitt, I will not love you and take care of you like a good father. Is it true that I am not a good father? And I said, God, of course you're a good father. Of course I'm silly to worry like this. Of course my worry is saying that you are not the best and the best at loving me and the best at taking care of me. God, forgive me. That worry was not loving God. And yet on Sunday, I would lead worship. Your thoughts are essential for loving God. That's what Jesus is telling us there. Your thoughts are essential also for the direction of your life. Your life is moving in the direction of your thoughts at all times. Whatever you're thinking, that's where you're going. Whatever your focus is, that's where you are headed. And so when you have these negative thoughts, guess where you're headed? Nowhere good. Now I could quote you some great scriptures to back this up right here. But I want to instead talk about your brain. Somebody say, your brain. Your brain builds over time. Starting at birth. And inside your brain, we have a little video we're going to show. Inside your brain are nerve cells called neurons. And they send and receive signals. And there are 86 billion neurons inside your brain. In this video, that is not showing, are two neurons in a Petri dish. There it is. And they're under a strong microscope. And you can see them moving towards each other until they finally make a connection. And there it is, right there. And this is what we call a neural pathway. In the first few years of your life, you are forming one million neural pathways every second. 86 billion neurons and they're making thousands of connections every second of your life. And some of it is you're learning that's light and that's darkness. Some of it's learning that feels good, that feels bad. Some of it feels, is that is someone I recognize. That is someone I do not recognize. These are all these thoughts and that's how a kid is growing at such an amazing rate and you see so much recognition happening in your eyes. It's because millions of neuron nerve cells are just squiggling around in their spongy brain and forming neural pathways. This is what thinking and looking looks like. And they, they, they have these, the, the little hairs are called dendrites, which means tree-like. 
It's because it looks like roots. It looks like branches reaching out. And there's all these weird little dendrites. And inside of them are so small of little gaps that you can barely see them. And those little gaps are called synapse. And when you learn something, that synapse does something that I don't even understand. But every memory you've got in your brain is this little neuron with little hairs on it and little gaps on it. And that's how you think and that's how you learn. Jesus. That's wild. Why are you talking about all of this, Pastor Chris? Well, because as you grow, your brain is making all these connections and it turns out to be too many connections for you to even efficiently use. So your brain then goes through a, a process of simplification and it's called pruning. And to get more efficient, it lets go of some of the connections. And it starts to work in patterns. And your, your, your brain, in order to simplify, starts to work in patterns. And in order for your brain to start working better and force, you know, have a life, your brain starts to work in patterns. And in order for your brain to come together and learn things, your, your brain starts to work in patterns. Your brain starts to work in, your brain starts to work in over and over and over again. It's patterns, it's patterns, it's patterns. The, these pathways, these patterns, they form a thought. And once the pathway is formed, once that connection happens, it is easier to follow the pattern. If you think the thought, it's easier to think the same thought. It is easier to think again already what you're thinking right now. Because it forms a connection. And your brain says, I'm going to take that connection and then make a pattern out of it. Now this is good news if you're thinking good healthy thoughts. That means you're thinking good thoughts, you can just think good thoughts again. That's why you feel better after you go to church. That's why you go better when we exalt Jesus and we tell you that you are so loved by him. It just forms that pattern. It's so good. And if you think a good thought, it's easier to think it and that's good. But can you see where we're going? If you have negative thoughts, that's really bad. That's, that is extra bad. Because now you can think that thought easier and easier and easier. That's why somebody a long time ago said that awful things about you. And you let it form a pattern in your life. You said, they said that about me. And that's why you can, in your brain, remember it. You can actually play the footage in your head and hear the voice and how they said it. And anything even similar to it reminds you of it. And that's why it's so recallable. It's because you've got that pattern in your life. Negative thoughts are easier to think again. Negative things said about you are easier to replay in your brain. It's because you're wired for pattern. Well, here's good news. You can change your brain by thinking new thoughts and then rehearsing those thoughts. Take that good thought. Remember it. Rehearse it. 
You can renew your mind. That's a biblical, we could put that verse right up there. But no, we're talking science now. Science is talking to you about renewing your mind. How about that? Renew your mind by forming a whole new set of neural connectors. I want you to watch this video. Take another deep breath. Take a deep breath. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay, look at mommy. Look at mama. I know you smashed your fingers in the door, didn't you? Yeah. Okay, take a deep breath. Okay, are you okay? Yeah. Okay, look at mommy. Uh, Say, I'm okay. I will get it. Say, I'm strong. I'm strong. Say, I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. Say, I'm loved. I love. <laughs> Say, I'm worthy. I'm worthy. You're beautiful. Thank you, Mom. You're welcome, baby. I love you. This little girl is changing her brain. She's learning to cope with the pain. Did you see her take those big breaths? When you go to a therapist, they, one of the first things they'll talk to you about is breathing exercises. She's learning that right there. In fact, do it real quick. Take a big breath. Let it out. Something about it centers you. I, I don't understand it, but it sure enough works. Breathe in. You know who gave you that breath? The Lord breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. Breathe in. She's learning to breathe. She, she's learning to cope with the pain. What'd she do to her hand? It got crushed into what? In a door. We know how that feels. And even in the middle of the pain, she starts breathing and she starts changing the way that she thinks. And suddenly those tears dry up. She becomes strong. She becomes beautiful. She becomes worthy. She becomes loved. She is thinking positive affirming thoughts about her life. Now, here's what I know about this girl. Oh, let me be a prophet for a second. This is not prophecy at all. Here's what I know about this little girl. This is not the last time she's going to hurt in life. This is not the last time something's going to happen in life that's too big for her that she's going to cry. But here's what is forming in her life, a pattern, a connection where she can recall who she is. And how she's loved. And how she's worthy. And how she's going to be okay if she can just hold on. Do you see that? The pain was real. None of this makes the pain unreal. The pain's real. The pain you're going through is real. The struggle that you're going through is real. The trauma that you went through is absolutely real. None of this makes light of that. But how she responds to the pain brought her strength. And how you respond to your trauma, how you can respond to your rejection, how you can respond to those things forms a pattern. And if you, if you respond the right way, you'll be stronger next time. I want to tell you that you can change the way, you're th the way you think. You can fix your thoughts on something different. Yes. 
Listen, instead of thinking about negative things, remember in the early days of your life, you were forming neuron connections a thousand at a, at, at a time in a second, right? Making thousands of connections. They said millions. Somebody said millions. That's still in you. So instead of connecting with these, thing, these bad things and reforming this pattern, here's what I want you to do. Take up a new hobby. Learn something new to do with your hands. You know what that's doing? It's forming new connections. And when you're forming those connections, you don't actually know what you're doing. You're changing your brain. You're learning a new skill and your brain loves it. Your brain's like, oh my gosh, finally, I get to connect with some new thing. You see, that's all your brain wants to do. It's what you want to do. Your brain wants to learn all day. So go do that. And that's how you do that. You, you learn a new skill. You go read a book. You go uh, practice something. You go have a conversation. And this brings positive change to your brain because you're fixing your brain on something new. Yes. Now let's hit a scripture, Isaiah 26 and 3. I want you to come back to this verse this week. Can you read it out loud with me? Here we go. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. When you fix your brain on something, it changes your brain. There is peace available whenever your thoughts are fixed on the Lord. I want to tell you, you know what kind of peace this is? It's not, it doesn't say occasional peace. Some of us would settle for occasional peace. We've lowered the bar that, that low, right? Not momentary peace. Not circumstantial peace. Somebody tell me what kind of peace it is. It's perfect peace. In the Hebrew, it doesn't say the word perfect. It says the word shalom, and then it repeats it. Shalom. He will keep you in shalom, shalom. The words for perfect peace, that's what they are. Shalom, shalom. It's peace twice. In Hebrew, when they repeat a word, it is to emphasize it. God has a emphasized peace, a shalom, shalom peace that no one else can give. It's a shalom on top of a shalom. One way to use double repeats in, in, in Hebrew is almost to treat it like it goes on forever. It's almost like an ellipsis. It just keeps going on. It's a shalom. It's an everlasting peace. It's a emphasized peace. It's not an occasional peace. It's a peace that will walk with you even when there are storms, even when there are enemies, even when there are fears, even when bad things happen. He will keep you in shalom, shalom when your mind is fixed on the Lord. This shalom, shalom peace can only be received by changing the way you think. As our musicians come, I'm going to emphasize that again. Shalom, shalom, peace can only be received by changing the way you think. Tonight, I want you to change the way you think. I want you to do it tonight. It's going to form a pattern, but you got to come up behind it and do it again. When you wake up in the morning, I want you to continue the pattern. Before you go to sleep, I want you to do the pattern. How about you, you emphasize the pattern every time you eat? 
You thank the Lord. You fix your mind on the Lord. You fix your mind on the good things God says about you. Fix your minds on the good things your friends say about you. If you don't have any friends that say good things about you, get new friends and call me because I think you're wonderful. He will keep you in shalom, shalom. Those whose minds are fixed on you. Your mind has been fixed somewhere else, hasn't it? Oh Jesus, over the next few moments, help us to fix our minds on you. Help us to fix our thoughts on you. Help us to fix those squiggly neurons that we don't even understand all that stuff. I forgot to tell you my most impressive thing I learned about that this week. You know all that weird stuff that, are, that we showed with the neurons? All of that takes place in a width, like less than half the width of a human hair. What? I just don't even get that. All of that crazy stuff you don't understand. Just trust it. Just trust that the Lord made you that way to think on good things. Tell your brain to stop thinking on some bad things. If you have trouble with that, call somebody. Support one another. Do it. Do you want to receive shalom, shalom today? I want you to plan to do new things. Whatever you do is easier to repeat. So let's do something. Let's read a verse again. We've already read it, but we're going to make a pattern. 1 Thessalonians. 5, 23 and 24. May God himself, he won't send anybody else to do this. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. I feel the spirit of the Lord in this place. These altars are open right now. Some of you have been going through something. It's time to make a change. Whatever you do right now will change the way you think. It will change the, the struggle. It will, it will bring you to a, a new peace, a peace, a shalom, shalom. I invite you to come talk to the Lord today. He cares about your struggle. I pray for all my friends online. Friends online, I'm praying for you in Jesus' name. Deliver us through and through. Sanctify us through and through. Sanctify our heart. Sanctify our spirit. Sanctify our soul. Sanctify our body. Sanctify our thoughts, God. Lord Jesus, help us to focus our thoughts on you, Jesus. Help us to be in perfect peace, God. Shalom, shalom. Let our thoughts be fixed on you. In Jesus' name, move in this place, God. Move in my friends online. Come on, friends online. Reach out to him. He cares for you and He's with you in Jesus' name. Come on, I want to pray with some people. I want to see God do some miraculous things in this house tonight. In Jesus' name. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.